Zixia of Ix, Volume 5. Chapter 13, Tullydub Rescues the Kingdom. All soldiers love to fight, so when the army of Ix learned that they were going to war, they rejoiced exceedingly over the news. They polished up their swords and battle axes, and sewed all the missing buttons on their uniforms, and mended their socks, and had their hair cut, and were ready to march as soon as the queen was ready to have them start. King Bud of Nolan had an army of 7,777 men, besides a general ten feet high, but the queen of Ix had an army twice that big, and she decided to lead them in person, so that when she had conquered the city of Knoll, she herself could seize the precious magic cloak which she coveted so greatly. Therefore, Queen Zixi rode out at the head of her army, clad in a suit of mail, with a glittering helmet upon her head that was mounted by a flowing white plume. And all the soldiers cheered their queen, and had no doubt at all that she would win a glorious victory. Quavo the minstrel, who wandered constantly about, was on his way back to Noland again, and while Queen Zixi's army was cutting a path through the forest and making a bridge to cross the river, he came speedily by a little-known path to the city of Knoll, where he told Tullydub, the Lord High Counselor, what was threatening his king. So, trembling with terror, Tullydub hastened to the palace and called a meeting of the five high counselors in the king's antechamber. When they were all assembled together with Bud and Fluff, the old man told his news and cried, We shall all be slaughtered, and our kingdom sacked and destroyed, for the army of Ix is twice as big as our own. Yes, yes, twice as big. Ah, pooh, what of that? said Tollydob scornfully. Have they a general as tall as I am? Certainly not, said the chief counselor. Who ever saw a man as tall as you are? Then I'll fight and conquer them, declared Tollydob, rising and walking about the room, so that all might see where his head just grazed the ceiling. But you can't, general. You cannot fight an army by yourself, remonstrated Tullydub excitedly. And being so big, you are a better mark for their arrows and axes. At this, the general sat down rather suddenly and grew pale. Perhaps we can buy them off, remarked the Lord High Purse-Bearer, jingling the purse that now never became empty. No, I'm afraid not, sighed Tallydub. Quavo the minstrel said they are bent upon conquest and were resolved upon a battle. And their queen is a witch, added Tallydub nervously. We must not forget that. A witch? exclaimed Princess Fluff with sudden interest. What does she look like? But they all shook their heads at the question, and Tullydub explained. None of us has ever seen her, for we have never been friendly with the people of Ix. But from all reports, Queen Zixi is both young and beautiful. Maybe it's the one who wanted to teach me witchcraft in order to steal my magic cloak, said Fluff with sudden excitement. 
and when she found she couldn't steal it, she went back after her army. What magic cloak do you refer to? asked Tallydub. Why, the one the fairies gave to me, replied Fluff. Is it of gorgeous colors with golden threads running throughout? asked the Lord High General, now thoroughly interested. Yes, said the princess, the very same. And what peculiar powers does it possess? Why, it grants its wear the fulfillment of one wish, she answered. All the high counsellors regarded her earnestly. Then that was the cloak I wore when I wished to be ten feet tall, said Tallydob. And I wore it when I wished I could reach the apple, said Tallydeb. And I wore it when I wished my dog Ruffles could speak, said Tallydab. And I wore it when I wished the royal purse would always remain full, said Tillydib. Oh, I did not know that, remarked Fluff thoughtfully. But I'll never forget that I lent it to Aunt Rivette, and that was the time she wished she could fly. Why, it's wonderful, cried Tallydub. Has it granted you a wish also? Yes, said Fluff brightly. And I've been happy ever since. And has your brother the king had a wish? Tallydub inquired eagerly. No, said Bot. I can still have mine. Then why doesn't your majesty wear the cloak and wish that your army shall conquer the Queen of Ix? Asked the Lord High Counselor. I'm saving my wish, answered Bot. And it won't be that either. But unless something is done, we shall all be destroyed protested Tullydub. Then wear the cloak yourself, said Bud. You haven't had a wish yet. Good, yes, cried the four other counsellors, and the Lord High General added, That will surely save us from any further worry. I'll go fetch the cloak at once, said Fluff, and she ran quickly from the room to get it. Supposing, Tullydub remarked, hesitantly, the magic power is not working. Oh, but it will, answered the general. I'm sure it will, said the steward. I know it will, declared the purse bearer. It cannot fail, affirmed the executioner. Remember what it has already done for us. Then Fluff arrived with the cloak, and after considering carefully how he would speak his wish, the Lord High Counselor drew the cloak over his shoulders and said solemnly, I wish that we shall be able to defeat our enemies and drive them all from the kingdom of Noland. Didn't you make two wishes instead of one? asked the princess anxiously. Never mind. If we defeat them, it will be easy enough to drive them from our kingdom. The Lord High Counselor removed the cloak and carefully refolded it. If it grants my wish, he said thoughtfully, it will indeed be lucky for our country that the Princess Fluff came to live in the palace of the king. The queen formed her men into a line of battle, facing the army of Nole, and they were so numerous in comparison with their enemies that even the more timorous soldiers gained confidence and stood up straight and threw out their chests as if to show how brave they were. Then Queen Zixi, clad in her flashing mail, 
mounted upon her magnificent white charger, rode slowly along the ranks, her white plume nodding gracefully with the motion of the horse. When she reached the center of the line, she halted, and addressed her army in a voice that sounded clear as the tones of a bell, and reached every listening ear. "'Soldiers of the land of Ix,' she began, "'we are about to engage in a great battle for conquest and glory. "'Before you lies the rich city of Nol, "'and when you have defeated yonder army and gained the gates, "'you may divide among yourselves all the plunder of gold and silver and jewels "'and precious stones that the place contains.' "'Hearing this, a great shout of joy arose from the soldiers,' which Zixi quickly silenced with a wave of her white hand. For myself, she continued, I desire nothing more than a cloak that is owned by the Princess Fluff. All else shall be given to my brave army. But suppose we do not win the battle, asked one of her generals anxiously. What then do we gain? Nothing but disgrace, answered the queen haughtily. But how can we fail to win, when I myself lead the assault? Queen Zixi of Ix has fought a hundred battles, and never met with defeat ever. There was more cheering at this, for Zixi's words were quite true. Nevertheless, her soldiers did not like the look of that silent army of Noel, standing so steadfastly before the gates, and facing the invaders with calm determination. Zixi herself was somewhat disturbed at this sight, for she could not guess what powers the magic cloak had given the Nolanders. But in a loud and undaunted voice, she shouted the command to advance, and while trumpets blared and drums rolled, the great army of Ix awoke to action and marched steadily upon the men of Nole. Bard, who could not bear to remain shut up in his palace while all this excitement was occurring outside the city gates, had slipped away from Fluff and joined the gigantic general Tollydob. He was, of course, unused to war, and when he beheld the vast array of Zixi's army, he grew fearful that the magic cloak might not be able to save his city from conquest. Yet the five high counselors who were all present seemed not to worry the least bit. "'They're very pretty soldiers to look at,' remarked old Tollydob complacently. I'm really sorry to defeat them. They march so beautifully. But do not let your kind-hearted admiration for the enemy interfere with our plans, said the Lord High Executioner, who was standing by with his hands in his pockets. Oh, I won't, answered the big general, with a laugh which was succeeded by a frown. Yet I can never resist admiring a fine soldier, whether he fights for or against me. For instance, just look at that handsome officer riding beside Queen Zixi, her chief general, I think. Is he not sweet? He looks just like an apple. He is so round and wears such a tight-fitting red jacket. Can't you just pick him for me, friend Tellydeb? I will try, said the Lord High Executioner, suddenly stretching out his long arm and reaching the far-away general of Ix. He pulled him from the back of his horse. Amid the terrified cries that came from the opposing army, Tellydeb dragged his victim swiftly over the ground until he was seized by the men of Nole and bound firmly with cords. 
Thank you, my friend, said the general again, laughing and then frowning. Now get for me that pretty queen, if you please. Once more the long arm of the Lord High Executioner shot out toward the army of Ix, but Zixi's keen eye saw it coming, and instantly she disappeared, her magical arts giving her power to become invisible. Tellydeb, puzzled to find where the queen had gone, seized another officer instead of her, and dragged him quickly over the intervening space to his own side, where he was bound by the Nolanders and placed beside his fellow-captive. Another cry of horror came from the army of Ix, and with one accord the soldiers stopped short in their advance. Queen Zixi, appearing again in their midst, called upon her wavering soldiers to charge quickly upon their foe. But the men, bewildered and terrified, were deaf to her appeals. They fled swiftly back over the brow of the hill, and concealed themselves in the wooded valley until the sun set. And it was far into the night before Queen Zixi succeeded in restoring her line of battle. Chapter 14 The Rout of the Army of Ix The next day was a busy one in the city of Nol. The ten-foot Lord High General marched his 7,777 men out of the city gates and formed them in a line of battle on the brow of a hill. Then he asked Aunt Rivette to fly over the top of the mountain and see where the enemy was located. The old woman gladly undertook the mission. She had by this time become an expert flyer, and being proud to resemble a bird, she dressed herself in flowing robes of as many colors as a parrot could boast. When she mounted into the air, streamers of green and yellow silk floated about her in quite a beautiful and interesting fashion, and she was admired by all her beholders. Aunt Rivette flew high above the mountain top, and there she saw the great army of Queen Zixi climbing up the slope on the other side. The army also saw her, and stopped short in amazement at seeing a woman fly like a bird. They had before this thought their queen sure of victory, because she was a witch and possessed many wonderful arts. But now they saw that the people of Noland could also do wonderful things, and it speedily disheartened them. Zixi ordered them to shoot a thousand arrows at Aunt Rivette, but quickly countermanded the order, as the old woman was too high to be injured, and the arrows would just be wasted. When the army of Ix had climbed the mountain and was marching down again toward Noel, the Lord High Steward sent his dog Ruffles to them to make more mischief. Ruffles trotted soberly among the soldiers of Ix, and once in a while he would pause and say in a loud voice, The army of Nolan will conquer you, you know! Then all the soldiers would look around to see who had spoken these fearful words. But they could see nothing but little dog and Ruffles would pretend to be scratching his nose with his left hind foot, and would look so innocent that they never for a moment suspected he could speak. "'We are surrounded by invisible foes,' cried the soldiers, and they would have fled even then had not Queen Zixi called them cowards and stubbornly declared that they only fancied they had heard the voices speak. Some of them believed her, and some of them did not but they decided to remain and fight, since they had come so far to do that.
Then they formed in a line of battle again, and marched boldly toward the army of Noland. While they were a good way off, and the generals were riding in front of their soldiers, the Lord High Executioner suddenly stretched out his long arm and pulled another general of Ix from his horse, as he had done the day before, dragging him swiftly over the ground between the opposing armies, until he was seized by the men of Knoll and tightly bound with cords. The soldiers of Ix uttered murmurs of horror at the sight and stopped again. Immediately the long arm shot out and pulled another general from their ranks and made him a prisoner. Queen Zixi raved and stormed with anger, but the Lord High Executioner, who was enjoying himself immensely, continued to grab officer after officer and make them prisoners. And so far there had been no sign of battle. Not an arrow had been fired, nor an axe swung. Then, to complete the amazement of the enemy, the gigantic ten-foot general of the army of Nole stepped in front of his men, and waved about his head a flashing sword six feet in length, while he shouted in a voice like a roar of thunder that made the army of Ix tremble. Forward! Forward, soldiers of Nolan! Forward! Destroy the enemy! Let none escape! It was more than the army of Ix could bear. Filled with terror, the soldiers threw down their arms and fled in a great panic, racing over the mountain top and down the other side, and then scattering in every direction, each man for himself and as if he feared the entire army of Nolan was at his heels. But it wasn't. Not a soldier of Nole had moved in pursuit. Everyone was delighted at the easy victory, and King Bart was so amused at the sight of the flying foe that he rolled on the ground in laughter, and even the fierce-looking General Tollydob grinned in sympathy. Then, with bands playing and banners flying, the entire army marched back into the city, and the war between Noland and Ix was over. Chapter 15 The Theft of the Magic Cloak When the soldiers of Queen Zixi ran away, they fled in so many different directions that the bewildered queen could not keep track of them. Her horse, taking fright, dashed up the mountainside, and tossed Zixi into a lilac bush, after which he ran off and left her there. One would think such a chain of misfortunes could not fail to daunt the bravest, but Zixi had lived too many years to allow such trifles as defeat and flight to ruin her nerves. So she calmly disentangled herself from the lilac bush and looked around to see where she was. It was very quiet and peaceful on this part of the mountainside, her glittering army had disappeared to the last man. In the far distance she could see the spires and turreted palaces of the city of Nole, and behind her was a thick grove of lilac trees, bearing flowers in full bloom. This lilac grove gave Zixi an idea. She pushed aside some of the branches and entered the cool, shadowy avenues between the trees. The air was heavy with the scent of violet flowers, and tiny hummingbirds were darting here and there to thrust their long bills into the blossoms 
and draw out the honey for food. Butterflies there were too, and a few chipmunks perched high among the branches. But Zixi walked on through the trees in deep thought, and presently she had laid new plans. Since the magic cloak was so hard to get, she wanted it now more than ever. By and by she gathered some bits of the lilac bark and dug some roots from the ground. Next she caught six spotted butterflies, from the wings of which she brushed off all the round purple spots. Then she wandered on until she came upon a little spring of water bubbling from the ground, and filling a cup-shaped leaf of the tatty plant from the spring, she mixed her bark and roots and butterfly spots in the liquid and boiled it carefully over a fire of twigs. You see, tatty leaves will not burn so long as there is water inside of them. With her magical compound ready, Zixi muttered an incantation and drank it in a single draught. A few moments later the witch queen had disappeared, and in her place stood the likeness of a pretty young girl, dressed in a simple white gown with pink ribbons at the shoulders and a pink sash about her waist. Her light brown hair was gathered into two long braids that hung down her back, and she had two big blue eyes that looked very innocent and sweet. Besides these changes, both the nose and mouth of the girl differed in shape from those of Zixi, so that no one would have seen the slightest resemblance between the two people, or between mistrust and the girl who stood in the lilac grove. The transformed witch-queen gave sweet, rippling laugh, and glanced at her reflection in the still waters of the spring. Then the girlish face frowned, for the image glaring up at her was that of a wrinkled, toothless old hag. I really must have that cloak, sighed the girl. And then she turned and walked out of the lilac grove and down the mountainside toward the city of No. The Princess Fluff was playing tennis with her maids in the courtyard of the royal palace, when Jicky came to say that a girl wished to speak with her highness. "'Send her here,' said Fluff. So the witch-queen came to her in the guise of a fair young girl, and bowing in a humble manner before the princess said, "'Please, your highness, may I be one of your maids?' "'Why, I have eight already,' answered Fluff, laughing. "'But my father and mother are both dead, "'and I have come all the way from my castle "'to beg you to let me wait upon you,' said the girl, "'looking at the little princess "'with a pleading expression in her blue eyes. "'Who are you?' asked Fluff. "'I am the daughter of Lord Hurrydoll, "'and my name is Adlena,' replied the girl, "'which was not altogether a falsehood, "'because one of her ancestors had borne the name Hurrydoll, "'and Adlena was one of her own names.' "'Then, Adlena,' said Fluff brightly, "'you shall certainly be one of my maids, "'for there is plenty of room in the palace, "'and the more girls I have around me, the happier I shall be.' "'So Queen Zixi, under the name of Adlena, "'became an intimate of the king's palace, "'and it was not many days before she learned "'where the magic cloak was kept, "'for the princess gave her a key to a drawer "'and told her to get it from under a blue silk scarf "'she wished to wear.' and directly under the scarf lay the fairy garment. Adlena would have seized it at that moment, had she dared, 
But Fluff was in the same room, so she only said, Please, Princess, may I look at that pretty cloak? Of course, answered Fluff. But handle it carefully, for it was given to me by the fairies. So Adlena unfolded the cloak and looked at it very carefully, noting exactly the manner in which it was woven. Then she folded it again and arranged it in the drawer and turned the key, which the princess immediately attached to a chain which she always wore around her neck. That night, when the witch queen was safely locked in her own room and could not be disturbed, she called about her a great many of those invisible imps that served the most skilful witches, commanding them to weave her a cloak in the exact likeness of the one given Princess Fluff by the fairies. Of course, the imps had never seen the magic cloak, but Zixi described it to them accurately, and before morning they had woven a garment so closely resembling the original that the imitation was likely to deceive anyone. Only one thing was missing, and that was the golden thread woven by Queen Lulia herself, and which gave the cloak its magic powers. Of course the imps of Zixi could not get this golden thread, nor could they give any magical properties to the garment they had made at the witch's command, but they managed to give the cloak all of the many brilliant colors of the original, and Zixi was quite satisfied. The next day, Adlena wore this cloak while she walked in the garden. Very soon, Princess Fluff saw her and ran after the girl, crying indignantly, See here, what do you mean by wearing my cloak? Take it off instantly. It is not your cloak, it is one of my own, replied the girl calmly. Nonsense! There can't be two such cloaks in the world, retorted Fluff. But there are, persisted Adlena. How could I get the one in the drawer when the key is around your own neck? I'm sure I don't know, admitted the princess, becoming puzzled. But come with me into my rooms. If my fairy cloak is indeed in the drawer, then I will believe you. So they went to the drawer and, of course, found the magic cloak, as the cunning Zixi had planned. Fluff pulled it out and held the two up together to compare them. They seemed to be exactly alike. I think that yours is a little longer, said Adlena, and threw it over the shoulders of the princess. No, I think mine is a little longer, she continued, and removed the magic cloak and put her own upon Fluff. They seemed to be about the same length, but Adlena kept putting first one and the other upon the princess until they were completely mixed up. The child could not have told one from the other. Which is mine? she finally asked in a startled voice. Why, this, of course, answered Adlena, folding up the imitation cloak which the imps had made, and putting it away in the drawer. Fluff never suspected the trick, so Zixi carried away the magic cloak she had thus cleverly stolen, and she was so delighted with the success of her stratagem that she could have screamed aloud for pure joy. As soon as she was alone and unobserved, the witch-queen slipped out of the palace, and carrying the magic cloak in a bundle under her arm, ran down the streets of Knoll and out through the gate in the wall, and away toward the mountain where the lilac grove lay. At last, she kept saying to herself, at last I shall see my own reflection in a mirror instead of that horrid old hag. When she was safe in the grove, she succeeded by means of her witchcraft in transforming the girl, Adlena, back into the beautiful woman known throughout the kingdom of Ix as Queen Zixi. 
and then she lost no time in throwing the magic cloak over her shoulders. I wish, she cried in a loud voice, that my reflection in every mirror will hereafter show the same face and form as that in which I appear to exist in the sight of all mortals. Then she threw off the cloak and ran to the crystal spring, saying, Now, indeed, I shall at last see the lovely Queen Zixi. But as she bent over the spring, she gave a sudden shriek of disappointed rage, for glaring up at her from the glassy surface of the water was the same fearful hag she had always seen as the reflection of her likeness. The magic cloak would grant no wish to a person who had stolen it, Zixi, more wretched than she had ever been before in her life, threw herself down upon her face in the lilac grove, and wept for more than an hour, which is an exceedingly long time for tears to run from one's eyes. And when she finally arose, two tiny brooks flowed from the spot, and wound through the lilac trees, one to the right, and one to the left. Then, leaving the magic cloak, to possess which she had struggled so hard and sinfully. Lying unheeded upon the ground, the disappointed witch-queen walked slowly away and finally reached the bank of the great river. Here she found a rugged old alligator who lay upon the bank, weeping with such bitterness that the sight reminded Zixi of her own recent outburst of tears. "'Why do you weep, friend?' she asked, for her experience as a witch had long since taught her the language of the beasts and birds and reptiles. "'Because I cannot climb a tree,' answered the alligator. "'But why do you wish to climb a tree?' she questioned, surprised. "'Because I can't,' returned the alligator, squeezing two more tears from his eyes. "'Oh, but that is foolish!' exclaimed the witch-queen scornfully. "'I don't know,' said the alligator. It doesn't strike me that it's much more foolish than the fancies some other people have. Perhaps not, replied Zixi more gently, and walked away in deep thought. While she followed the river bank to find a ferry across, the dusk fell, and presently a grey owl came out of a hollow in a tall tree and sat upon a limb, wailing dismally. Zixi stopped and looked at the bird. Why do you wail so loudly? she asked. Oh, oh, oh. because I cannot swim in the river like a fish, answered the owl, and it screeched so sadly that it made the queen shiver. Why do you wish to swim? she inquired. Because I can't, oh, oh, said the owl, and buried its head under its wing with a groan. But that is absurd, cried Zixi with impatience. The owl had an ear out and heard her, so it withdrew its head long enough to retort, I don't think it's any more absurd than the longings of some other folks. Oh, oh. Perhaps you are right, said the queen, and hung her head as she walked on. By and by she found a ferryman with a boat, and he agreed to row her across the river. In one end of the boat crouched a little girl, the ferryman's daughter, and she sobbed continually, so that the sound of the child's grief finally attracted Zixi's attention. Why do you sob? questioned the queen. Because I want to be a man, replied the child, trying to stifle her sobs. 
Why do you want to be a man? asked Zixie curiously. Because I'm a little girl, was the reply. This made Zixie angry. You're a little fool, she exclaimed loudly. There are other fools in the world, said the child, and renewed her sobs. Zixie did not reply, but she thought to herself, We are all alike, the alligator, the owl, the girl, and the powerful queen of Ix. We long for what we cannot have, and yet desire it not so much because it would benefit us, as because it is beyond our reach. If I call the other fools, I must also call myself a fool, for wishing to see the reflection of a beautiful girl on my mirror, when I know it is impossible. So hereafter I shall strive to be contented with my lot. This was a wise resolution, and the witch queen abided by it for many years. She was not very bad, this Zixie, for it must be admitted that few have the courage to acknowledge their faults and strive to correct them as she did.